want to put life in a nutshell for you real quick, okay? Because this is what I can feel like sometimes when God was in the middle of creation and he began to create the different animals and things. He created a dog and he said, you know, dog, what I want to do with you is I want to create you and I want you to, you know, have a good life and, you know, I want you to bark and protect and, you know, growl and, you know, chase cats and, you know, keep perimeters up in yards and protect things. And so I want to give you 20 years to be able to live your life, to do all that I've created you to do. And the dog said, you know what, God, 20 years of barking and 20 years of growling and 20 years of you know, trying to protect the yard and different things. You know, that's a long time. Can, can I just take 10 years and I give you back 10? So God said, okay. So he gave the dog 10 years. And then he came to the monkey and said, monkey, you know, I want you to play and giggle and make funny noises and jump around the house and, you know, play in the trees. And so, you know, I want to give you a good long life. I want to give you a life of 20 years. And the monkey said, wow, God, that sounds really amazing. But 20 years to jump around and play and be silly and goofy, that's a long time. Can I do what the dog did and give you back 10 years and you give me, just let me keep 10? And God said, okay. Then God came to the cow and told the cow, he said, you know, cow, I want you to go out into the field and eat grass and, you know, work the field and give milk and provide for a family and, you know, give you a lifespan of 40 years to be able to accomplish everything that I've created you to do. And the cow said, man, 40 years of working in the field and 40 years of, you know, towing in the field and producing things for people. That's a long time. Can I give you back 20? And God said, okay. And then God came to the man and said, man, I want to give you 20 years. I want to give you 20 years to eat, sleep, play, do what you want, and have people take care of you. And the man said, God, 20 years to eat, sleep, play, have people take care of me. That doesn't seem fair. Uh, You know, since the dog didn't want his 10, can I have those 10 too? And since the monkey didn't want his 10, can I have his 10 too? And since the cow didn't want his 20, can I have his 20? And God said, yes, I will give you all of those. And so that's why for the first 20 years of our lives, we get to get up, eat, sleep, play, have people take care of us how we want to. And then for the next 20 years, we have to get up and work and provide and work in the fields and do everything that the cow is supposed to do. And then for the next 10 years, that's why we get to get up and be goofy and be a grandpa and make weird sounds and play with the kids and act silly around the house because we got them from the monkey. But then the last 10 years come from the dog and we sit on the porch and growl and bark and tell people to get off our grass and pick that back up and put it where it belongs. And that's basically where life is in a nutshell. But God caused our lives for purpose. Today, this is what simply God wanted me to come and tell me. We live in a society right now that is trying to find purpose and tries to put the stamp of essential on things. And we just went through a year where, you know, a lot of things that we thought we needed, we found out we didn't. And then we had different organizations and governments and things try to tell us what essential things in our lives were. And what wasn't essential. And I am so glad last year that they decided that churches were essential. I'm shocked that they decided liquor stores are. <laughs> but what one thing our culture is trying to do now. And this is what I felt like the Lord told me to come in to share a simple word today. 
Our society and our world is trying to tell us men are not essential anymore. That we don't need you. You don't matter. You don't make a difference. That we can be okay without you. But I'm here to tell you, men, that's not who you are. Men, you are essential. I almost had shirts made for every man in here that said, I am essential. (laughs) But we're essential. This brother felt like the Lord told me to come and tell you today. Just one simple thing. You matter. You're important. The name of today's message is manpower. You are more powerful and greater than you could ever imagine. As a matter of fact, the Bible says this. The Bible says in creation that when he created you, man, he created you in the very image of God. And so I don't care what color your skin is. I'm here to tell you this. You are in the image of God. I don't care what area of town you grew up in. You are in the image of God. You were created God-like. Let me explain to you what that means just a minute. God, when he created, he only made one man. He created all the birds of the air. It says birds. All the animals, beasts of the field. But the Bible says he created one man. And today there are seven, seven billion, seven point six four seven exactly billion people on the planet. But God did not create all of them. He created one man. And out of that one man, he put the potential, the ability and the power to produce seven billion point six four seven people on this planet. That came out of one man. Let me tell you what you got on the inside of you, man. You got on the inside of you more than you could ever imagine. God created you with such... When he says he reached down into the dirt and he formed you, it was the first time God got his hands dirty. Because if you're a man, you know. Anything that's important to you, you want to do it yourself. I know there are things at my house that I will let the girls do. There are things around on jobs and there's things here at the church that other but the important things I have to do myself because I feel like it's important to me and I need to do it the way it needs to be done and when I read in Genesis when God created a man the Bible says his word did everything else but his hands created you you needed to know something you were created to be in God's hand when God created the first Adam inside of him he put seven point Four, six, seven billion people. But then he looked at that man and he said, Ah, that's not good for him to be alone. You know, if you put another L in that word, it kind of describes what Adam was. If you see alone and put another, it's all one. Everything was in that man. And then the Bible says God didn't create Eve. Oh, this is a question. Um, What time of day did God create Adam? It was before Eve. (laughs) See, I've been reading my dad jokes books. But this is what the Bible says that he didn't create Eve. It says he reached inside of man. He reached inside of what he had created and he pulled woe out. Now, let me tell you the purpose of women. God created women to reach inside of us and pull out everything that God has put inside of us to keep doing what we do. And so when he took woman out of man, he didn't create Woman, he took woman out of man, and then every other man on this planet, every other woman, every other child on this planet came out of a man. Let me tell you what's on the inside of you. Man, there's the power on the inside of every man in here to be a good husband. 
There's, on, there's the power on the inside of every man in here to be the best worker on your job. There is on the inside of every man in here the power to be the best friend that a friend could have. There's the power on the inside of every man in here to be the best Christian the world has ever seen because God put everything into the man that he created. He put his hands and he formed it. And then everything else that has been on this planet that had to deal with man came out of him. And God hadn't changed when he created you. Everything that you need on the inside of you to be all that God has created you is there. You don't have to look for God to put it. God made men powerful. God made men to be able to be builders. God made men to be able to be fighters. Jennifer, she, it was weird. We were in an argument the other day. I'm, just to be truthful, I tell you, it's weird for preachers to argue, but I do it just so I can have s- stories to tell in sermons. <laughs> so, um, but we had an argument the other day. And right in the middle of the argument, she put a big smile on her face. And she said, I sure am glad I married a good fighter. And you just don't roll over. <laughs> and it just took the fight out of me. I was like, she just complimented me in the middle of the fight. And women, you need to understand that God made and gave you a fighter. God made men fighters. As a matter of fact, it is, you have, one, you're, you, men, you have one in four trillion chances, or the radio, you have one in four million chances, one, four, one in four trillion chances to even be on this planet. For the right sperm to hit the right egg, it was one in four trillion. You have a better chance of getting hit by lightning than to have been born on this earth. You have a better chance of going to the moon and getting, or going to the ocean and getting bit by a shark than you do being born on this earth. But see, you came onto this earth because God needed a winner. And for you, from the very beginning, you started winning. Now, our society says that you're unessential. This society says that, you know, you're, we don't need you. The society says that there are others you know, other the women are just as the same as men or says that, you know, men don't have needful roles. I just want to share this with you. That's not true. And you may you may be here this morning, you might be a sexist or feminist in the right to you say, Well, I'm as good as any man. Well then you gotta take this up with God. Because God created man. And out of man came Eve. But the Bible says that man is the stronger vessel because God wanted to put men here to be able to fight, build. Men, there are dreams on the inside of you that you can't even imagine are there. But see, every day you've been here, you've gotten up and the enemy has tried to take those dreams, tried to take your power, tried to take your fight. Because this is simply what I'm here to tell you. If you live by manpower alone, you can get through this life. You can do a good job. You may can support your family, but there's going to come a day where you're going to find yourself so tired, so exhausted, so burdened by trying to hold it all together that you're going to feel like you have no power left in you at all. I want to just make these simple statements real quick. One is, man, you are important. You are important. The reason why you're so important it even tells me this, when God came into the garden that he created perfectly. Beauty, I can't imagine what Eden looked like, but it was a perfect world. When he stepped down into the garden one day, he didn't get caught up by the beautiful trees. He didn't get caught up by the beautiful tree. And there was a naked woman walking around in that garden, and that didn't even catch him up. He simply said, Adam, where are you? 
Adam was so important to God that when Adam was absent or hiding is what the Bible said, God noticed. The enemies tried to get our men to take a step back, to think you're not important, to think it doesn't matter, think that you're just part of the grind, think that you just, you know, you're just part of what all this is. But I'm here to tell you, you're not. God made you incredible and you are important. You're so important that statistics say that there's 85% chance of a kid that grows up in a home without a man role model has an 85 greater chance of ending up being a criminal or being in jail by the time he hits adulthood. It says that, that a child that grows up in a home without a male presence, that they have a 75 greater higher chance of moving into premature sex than kids that have with families with a father or a man present in the home. Man, you matter. You may not think you coming home every night and sitting at a table and eating dinner with rowdy kids and being tired of it, but you matter. You being there makes a difference. As a matter of fact, in Ezekiel, the Bible said this, that God is actually searching for a man. Because God knows that men, He created men with the power on the inside of them to make a difference. You say, Cricket, well, you don't know what my marriage looks like. I do. That's why God put a man in your marriage so He can put a man in there that has the power to help turn that thing around. God put you into that situation to be able to lead it the way God wants you to lead it. Do I believe in male chauvinism? No, but there's nothing worse than male chauvinism than a woman that won't do what she's told. No. But... <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> I don't believe in male children. And when the Bible says this, that when my wife's supposed to submit to her husband, it means that she is supposed to come alongside me and help me accomplish what God has called me to accomplish. Not that she bows down, because the next scripture says that a husband is supposed to love his wife as Christ loves the church. And that means Christ laid his life down for the church. So it's not I'm your boss and you do what I say. It's God gave me a helpmate to help me accomplish. It's my job to know what God has called our family to do. And be the first one to go there. I should be the first one on Sunday to go to church. I should be the first one in the day to get up and read my Bible. I should be the first one to praise and sing. I should be the first one to sit down with my kids and pray when they're sick. I'm not a dictator, but God created you, man, as a leader. And he gave you authority. Even in the garden, God gave Adam authority to name every beast of the field. God gave you, Dad, you, man, the authority to call your circumstances and your situations to be what they are. If your marriage is rough, you begin to use your authority that God has given you, husband. You use your authority to call, I've got the greatest wife and I've got the greatest marriage. I, but the truth is this, you have power, man. But your power is only going to go so far. But just like a man with a tool, you can use a hammer and do a lot of jobs. But there are some jobs that get a lot easier when you get a power tool in your hand versus a manual tool. And I do a lot of construction. I do a lot of building and things like that. And I've learned this, that if I can find a tool that will allow me to plug it into a power source, the job gets easier. I can do a lot of jobs. I've got screwdrivers and Man, I don't know. I read and look at old books and, and walk in old houses and my jaw drops to the ground because their guys built things without power tools. And I think, my Lord, how hard life must have been back then. Men built these houses with, power, with manpower. 
they took screwdrivers and drilled screws in and they took hammers and drove nails. And now here in this life, I'll get complaining sometimes when I'm on a job and I got to walk to the trailer and pull out a nail gun because I don't drive nails anymore. I shoot nails because I don't work with manpower. I work with power tools. I'm here to tell you this. God never intended for you to do everything that he puts you here on this earth to do by yourself and on your own. Now, I'm impressed. Man can do great things because man has power. But when you understand that you as a man was created to be not just a manpower-driven life, but you were created to have a power-driven life, you'll understand that the real power doesn't come from the tool. The real power comes from the socket. See, you were never created to be disconnected from God. Man, that's what's happened to us. That's what's happened in our life. That's why men have become unessential. I've actually got tools in my tool bags that I have not used in years. The reason why I have tools in my tool bag I have not used for years is because now I have tools that are power tools that have taken the place of those old tools. And so i got to tell you this, men, you'll do great things, but on your own power. But if you will realize there is another source of power that you can plug into, you'll never become obsolete. You'll never get overburdened or too tired. See, God did not create a, a drill gun in here today, and I was going to bring my tools, and I left my bag. But a drill gun is a cool thing, but it only does a part, serves its part, can do what it was supposed to do when I plug it into a power source. You were never created to ever be separated from the presence of God. And I'm impressed that you're holding everything together. But I'm here to tell you this. If you will quit trying to hold everything together and start trying to hold on to the presence of God in your life, everything that you've ever put your hand to do will become easier and you'll be able to do more. You can do a lot in life with your power. But I'm here to tell you that you'll do more with God's power. There was a man in a struggle one night. The Bible says Jacob woke up struggling. It says he was in a wrestle with an angel, fighting, struggling, struggling all night. And this is what he said. The angel said, let me go. And the angel said, I won't let you go. Uh, Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. Jacob knew that this angel had something. Now, some theologians say he was wrestling with Jesus. I'm not getting into any of that. The Bible and the, uh, in the King James Version and i got to be honest with you, I didn't do the research today to find out what that really was. It was, it was an angel. But he said, let me go. So I won't get until you bless me. He knew what I, could get my, what I got my hands on now has the power, has the ability to release something into my life, to give me something that I can't get from anywhere else. And the Bible says the angel was down and touched him in the hip of his leg. Man, let me tell you this. This was a bad dude. I would not have wanted. We read the story about Jacob and we see him as a girly guy. You ever thought he was kind of sissy? Because it does. I said he was a mama's boy. His brother, I, I got to be honest, that his brother would be the bad dude, Esau. Because Esau was a hunter, he was hairy, and Jacob was scared of Esau. All right, so when you read the story of Jacob, you kind of get like a mama's boy picture here. But let me tell you how tough Jacob was. One, man, he was, had the ability to hold down a job. That's a tough dude, all right? all right? So not only did he hold down a job, but he had the ability to work seven years for the girl he loved. Man, that's a tough dude. All right? But not only that, the Bible says he was wrestling with an angel. Now, the Bible says this in the book of Psalms. It talks about how an angel can defeat 
a thousand. These angels are bad. They're, they're higher in level than men are. Angels are stronger than mortal beings. And the Bible says that Jacob went into that wrestling match that night and he was holding his own. That's a bad dude. He was holding his own to where the angel actually hollered, Uncle, Uncle, let me out. And, and the angel said, No. I mean, Jacob said, No, I'm not letting you go until I get everything that you have for me. And this is what the Bible says. At that moment, there was something released in his life. First, he reached out and touched his hip. And this is what it says. Says it affected his walk. He walked differently for the rest of his life. I'm here to tell you, man, you you got a lot of power on the inside of you. But I know this. There are things you're doing and you're walking through that you wish you wasn't or you could get free from or you wish you could be different in. I'm here to tell you, you're never going to be able to defeat those things in your life on your own power. But if you'll let God touch you, If you'll connect to the power of God, you'll walk differently for the rest of your life. You can walk without that addiction. You can walk without that temper. You can walk without that hurt. You can walk without that. All you've got to do is realize who's got it is, who it is. You've got to keep a hold of. Secondly, you've got to know this. The Bible says that he said, I won't let you go. And then the angel stepped back and said, then this is your blessing. I will give you the power of God and the favor of man. I'm here to tell you, man, if you want to live a life that you've always dreamed of living, it's going to take two things. It's going to come from the power of God. You can live your whole life on manpower, or you can realize that you have available to you a power greater than yours. And you can reach into and grab hold to the power of God. And once you grab hold to the power of God, the next thing that comes into your life is the favor of man. People, the Bible says God will make even your enemies be at peace with you. God will cause you to walk on a job and bosses give you favor. God will open up doors that no man, the Bible says, can shut. Man, you don't have to do it through your own power, although you're a powerful. Let me tell you how important men are. In 1990, Discovery Channel did a documentary on a, a, on a, a Kenyan nature reserve. What was happening was white rhinos were being killed. And white rhinos are very extinct, but they were being killed and they were being poached. So what they did was they went and put out cameras to try to figure out, try to catch the poachers killing the white rhinos before they became extinct. And so as they put them out, they found something very unusual. They found it was the elephants that were killing the rhinos. And so they had to do a little bit more research and they had to look a little bit further. And they began to look that a few years before there in the nature reserve is that they did a coal killing. And they went in and found all the older elephants that were there and they began to kill them out um, as what they called a humane killing to make room for the younger elephants to come and grow. But what happened was this. Three things started happening when they removed the mature males out of the young males' lives. One, they started becoming sexually active prematurely. Even before they could produce offspring, the, the, premature, the young elephants began to become sexually active. Secondly, they began to get into gang-hurting environment culture. They began to become pack animals and not family. Elephant herds are normally family-oriented, not pack-oriented. But when they removed the mature males, the elephants became gang mentality oriented. They became like packs of wolves. And then thirdly, 
they began to kill white rhinos. Their skin color was different than theirs, and so they would target it out, and they would kill all the animals, all of them. So they tried to figure out how to do a fix, and so they went to a neighboring nature reserve, and they took the old elephants out of the neighboring nature reserve, and they brought them in and released them back into the nature reserve there, and the white rhino killing, the white rhino killings stopped. Man, you don't think just you being there matters? I want you to know something today. You being here matters. You say, well, Cricket, this message is boring. I understand. That's why we got wrestlers, all right? <laughs> but i got to get you this message. You need to understand, just you being here, statistics say that if kids just go to church by themselves, there's a 90% chance that when they get 18, they're not going to go to church anymore, all right? Well, if you put kids with a mother going to church together, there's a 50% chance that when they get 18, they're not going to go to church anymore. But if you put a kid going to church with a mother and a father, there's a 90% chance that that child will stay in church the rest of their life. Man, you matter. There's a power on the inside of you that you just being there matters. God, when he stepped into a perfect environment and the man was not there, God knew it. He said, where's Adam? Man, when you're not in your seat, the king always notices when the man's not present. That's why King Saul, the Bible says he came down and sat at his table. And he said, he looked at the table and he says, where's David, the son of Jesse? He's not sitting in his seat. Man, you don't think it matters that you're a part of the kids' ball games. You don't think it matters that you're a part of dinner night, a dinner table at night. You don't think it's matter. It may not matter that you're sitting in the church service with your family. Just your presence has the power to change the future of the environment that you're in. Man, you matter. But you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to do it through manpower. You can do it through God power. And the way you connect to God is just simple. And I'm going to give, ushers are going to give out a piece of paper. Man, I'm about to give you a test. <laughs> I'm not. I'm going to move this. <laughs> but I'm going to give you a piece of paper because I want to give you a tool. Man, I believe in, I love it. People give me books all the time, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like it when people give me books. And I don't really understand why I give books because I don't like it either. <laughs> but hey, we give books because we know there's intellectual tools in these books. But you know what I love? And my wife's got it down now. On my birthday and on Christmas, I love to get a new tool. <laughs> I love it when somebody gives me a tool because that means I'm going to... Because really, tools make my life easier. You know, um, but so when I, I want to give you men all a tool today to be able to connect into the power of God. I want to make it simple. You're going to say, Craig, this is too simple. One, one just being present, you can take the power of God. Because when you, you were never meant, Adam was never meant to live in the garden without God being with him daily. So you want to quit having to carry all the weight on your shoulders? Get in the presence of God. Plug into a power source you were created to be in. And then number two, you start allowing God to use you in every environment you're in. And you watch. God will empower you to do what you couldn't. Man, God empowered Daniel to be able to stare down a den of lions. God empowered Adam and Eve, I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to walk through fire and not be burned. God empowered Moses to part the Red Sea. God empowered David to kill a giant. Um, uh, There was a David joke, a dad joke I knew. I'm just thinking about it. Um, Oh, who is the best babysitter in the Bible? David, because he rocked Goliath to sleep. Uh, <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, so, my, 
girls get sick of the dad jokes driving to school today. Right, but um, saying this, I'm going to give you a tool. One, get in the presence of God daily. That's it'll change life. It'll plug you into a power. But then two, wherever you go, connect God to it. See, we get we connect to the power of God in our time with Him. But then what happens? A lot of men we unplug and we have to go live our day out with manpower. But I'm about to tell you, I'm going to give you a tool how to connect yourself no matter where you're at to God power to where you can do more than you ever thought you could do. And that's simply involve God in everything you're doing. You want me to tell you how to have a better job? Start involving God on your job. In other words, start telling everybody you work with about Jesus. You want to know how to have a better relationship in your marriage? Start involving God in your marriage. When you and your wife are sitting there talking, talk about God. Talk about Jesus. You know, I had to tell Jennifer one day, I said, I sure do love Jesus because, you know, one day he's going to make you the person you should be. <laughs> That's not the way you talk about Jesus in your marriage, right? <laughs> but, but involve Jesus. But I want to I give you a simple tool, man, on how to do what I'm telling you. Because I understand what I'm telling you. You may not understand it. But if you'll do this, this one thing, it'll change everything. You can turn the house lights on if you don't mind. I want to teach you a trick. I do this everywhere I go, everywhere I can. And it's amazing what God uses and allows me to do everywhere I go. Anywhere. I've done this, I would literally say, probably five or 6,000 times. I did it the other day, last Wednesday, at a woman's home that I was at. And I do it in restaurants with paper towels and napkins. And men, I want to give you something that you can walk out of here and do. And it will change your life. You take a piece of paper. Now, <laughs> you watch. Women, you're going to have this down pat. All right, men have a hard time following instructions. That's why there's always one screw left over. All right, but do this. Top corner. Long ways. Have it long ways. Top corner. Straight down to the edge of the paper. This is how to connect the power of God into every one of your situations. And not have to live off manpower. Got it? Got it? Who's struggling? <laughs> Got it? Number two. This is about to change your life. Top corner. I'll start back over from the beginning. Top corner. Down to the edge of the paper. Top corner. Down to the other folding corner. Now I have a house. Got it? Alright. Last and final fold. You ready? Directly in half, as so. Like if I wanted to make an airplane, I'll have to bend wings out. But there I am.
involve God in everything that I do? How will this get the power of God? Because when you start letting God use you to show people Jesus, then you become not manpower, but God power. Because that's what you were created here to do, is to bring Jesus into every part of your world. Here you got a piece of paper. I'm going to tell you a quick story with this piece of paper. And man, I want you to listen to it, okay? I don't care who your mom is, I don't care who your daddy is, I don't care how holy or beautiful or saintly your wife and how great your kids love Jesus. If you aren't connected to the power of God, you're not going where they're going. This is what the Bible says. But there's only one way to heaven. I saw a small story about a woman that went to a church service one time, and in that church service, she heard the gospel. in her hand. She was so excited. She simply believed that Jesus died on the cross for her. She simply believed that he rose again on the third day. And her ticket to heaven was now available for her. She was so excited that she ran home and she told her kids, kids, man, my kid, I heard this story about how God loved me so much. He gave me this job. And now I've got this ticket to heaven. I don't got a ticket. She goes, don't worry, don't worry. I'll give you Part of mine. Now, I want everybody to take this. This is why I usually lose people. Take your piece of paper, turn up to that. Like this. You got this. Now, watch me, because this is where people get lost. I'm going to take it and go one third over. I'm going to tear it directly down. And I'll just drop the trash on the floor so the wife can get you. Now, I'm playing. All right. So now I've got that. You see that? Here we got this. One third down off. And this is what she said. She said, kids, you can have this. She tore off a piece of heaven, paper, ticket to heaven, gave it to her kids. Then she ran into her husband's room and said, hey, you won't believe what I heard. I heard the story about God. and I accepted him and I got a ticket to heaven. And he goes, well, I don't got a ticket to heaven. She goes, don't worry. I'll give you part of mine. Now, with this piece, in half. That's very important. He takes care of all that and I mess it up. Right? Now, keep all that. It's important. But the wife don't want you to put it on the floor. So she had to take it to heaven. Now, this is, we're going to speed the story up just a little bit. Years pass. All the family die. They all go to heaven. When they get to heaven, the mom walks into heaven. And the angel stands at the gate and says, Take it, please. And she pulls out of her pocket the thing she received the day that she gave her heart to the Lord and believed that he died on the cross. And there it was. Her ticket to heaven. Hey, I'm going to have to do some gross. It's Father's Day. We can do that. If moms can lick their finger and wipe their face, their kid's face, I can lick the paper, stick it on glass. Take it to heaven. But now the sad thing about this is that, that the dad was there and the kids were there as well. And so the angel looked at the dad and said, Dad, take it, please. And the ticket, read, the dad reached into his pocket and he didn't have this Neat little cross paper that everybody said out a while, long while ago. He just had a bunch of useless scraps. And the angel looked at the kid and said, Ticket, please. The kid reached in the pocket and pulled out the exact same thing. A bunch of paper that was useless scraps. 
And the angel said, I'm sorry, I can't let you go in. You had to have a ticket. And they said, what do you mean you had to have a ticket? She gave us part of his and it don't work that way. You can't have a part of somebody else's salvation. You can't have a part. Your wife may be praying for your family, Father, and you may see the evidence of the power of God in it. But if you're not connected to the power of God, awesome. Thank you, sir. I'm going to need a lot. <laughs> if you're not connected to the power of God, it doesn't do you any good. And check this out. So the angel said, how do we get that ticket? So well, you had to know and believe that Jesus was the Son of God. That God sent Jesus to the earth to die for your sins. And so Jesus came and lived perfectly and innocently and never sinned. And then chose to give his life for all of your sins. And the Bible tells us that they took Jesus and although he had never sinned, they hung him between two thieves. One on his right and one on his left. And see, the one... The one on his left believed that Jesus was what he said he was. The one on the right didn't. One looked toward Jesus and one didn't. And the Bible says that day, the thief, although he had lived a life of mistakes and wrongs and doings, he was still able to go to heaven. Because it's not how you lived before you meet Jesus. It's what you do when you do. And so he looked and he chose not to. And the Bible says that they took Jesus and they crucified him like a thief. And the soldiers that were there, the Bible says, took lots and cast lots. Dig in your papers and find the two dice. And somebody's about to roll. <laughs> I just figured I'd talk about dice. Somebody was going to holler. Seven. Bible says the yeah, the soldiers game before his clothes. So if the enemy's ever tried to convince you that Christianity is a life of poverty or hardship, you need to know. Even Jesus on crucifixion day dressed cool because they wanted his clothes. Man, God's got good things for you. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that life's going to be bad if you serve the Lord. But then the Bible says they took a spear. He hung there and says he bled and then he said it is finished, and they took a spear. And they poked him in the side. And the Bible says blood and water flowed. Meaning that he was dead. He'd given his life for your sins and my sins. And all you have to do is believe that that's what God did. And the Bible says they took his body off the cross. They put him in a grave. And three days later, he came again. That's what you call God power. When a body that was mutilated and beat and killed is put in a grave... I was says the presence of God, the Holy Spirit came into that dark place and he began to live again. Your marriage may feel dead today. Connect to the power of God. Quit trying to do it in manpower. Connect to your job, your career, your bank account, your health. Connect to the power of God. God's not kind of trying to control you. God's trying to bless you. And if you'll know that this power is available to you and it's much more than any power that you will ever possess for your life to be good. And the Bible says he rose again. But if you believe that, if you would have just done that, the angel told them, then you could come in with us for eternity and live. Well, the dad said, what are you talking about? I didn't do it. I'll do it now. He said, no, it's too late. It's too late. You don't get to come to heaven with us. He says, well, what, what are you telling me? Well, then where do I go? You can't go with us. 
but there was a place prepared. The Bible says, and it was made, but it was never intended for a human to ever go there. There was a place that God created that every demon and every devil would spend eternity there, locked away in prison and in a place. But if you don't accept Jesus, you don't get to go to heaven. If you don't accept Jesus, even though hell was never created for a human to ever enter, the Bible says it is not the will of God that any should perish. No matter how bad God doesn't want it to take place, no matter how bad God is proof, you're even sitting here today because God loves you so much, He would do anything. He will bring wrestlers to Arkansas to get you to hear this story, to try to keep you from going to a place that was never designed for you. But I'm here to tell you that if you don't allow Jesus to be your Lord, you won't go to heaven. Pastor Jerry made it all nice for me. If you don't accept him, you'll spend eternity in hell. And then all my paper's gone. Now, it's a cool story, but this is why I told you. You want to learn how to connect the power of God into every part of your life? You use this tool. Everybody you know, you tell them about Jesus. Everybody you know, you tell them how God saved you. you everybody you know, you tell them that God doesn't want them to go to hell. And you say, well, Cricket, how do I do that? I don't know the scriptures. I don't know the... Well, you take a piece of paper and you fold it down this way and you fold it down this way and you fold it over this way and you tear it two times. Man, I just gave you a tool how to connect the power of God into every part of your life. And if you will walk out of here and you will use this tool in every relationship that you have, you'll find your... Do you know how many times I've sat in a restaurant... And I was like, you know what? I don't know if this waiter knows Jesus. So I'd say, hey, can I show you a cool trick with my napkin? And I would tear it. How many times, honestly, the waiter paid for my meal? I mean, I'm being serious. How many times that the power of God would be released in your situations when you begin to tell people, when you connect yourself? You say, well, Cricket, what is connecting my life to the power of God? You make yourself, you put yourself in a place where God can use you to let people know about Him and you're connected and your job will change and your marriage will change and your kids will change because God doesn't want you to live by manpower. God wants you to live by God power. Read you the shape of cricket. That's all neat and cool, but you don't know what kind of guy I am. I do know what kind of guy God uses. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was, Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused. Moses was a murderer and couldn't talk. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was afraid. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young 
Timothy stressed a whole lot, had ulcers. David was a murderer and an adulterer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ. Disciples fell asleep while they were praying. Zacchaeus was way too small. Paul was a murderer. Timothy had stress issues. And Lazarus was dead. But God used every one of them to change the world because they were willing to connect themselves to the power of God. And it is simply by you letting God use you to tell people about Him. It's that easy. So I wanted to ask you a question real quick. If you're in here today and maybe you've never gotten your ticket to heaven, I don't want to let you go without me asking. Can I pray with you and get you one today? Can I pray with you and let God give you a ticket? You say, Cricket, I'm not right with the Lord, but I would like to be today. I want to make sure that when I die, heaven is for me. Would you simply just raise your hand? I mean, this is very nonchalant service. It's Father's Day. I, last year, I would say I talk crude and rude, and it's okay. But give these guys a huge hand clap because they just made the greatest decision of their life. Let's pray. Father, just everybody in the room, pray with me so nobody's on the spot. Say, Dear Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, paying for my sin. I ask you to be my Lord. I believe you died, you rose again. And today, I ask you to release your power into my life. Old things become new. All things that I have messed up, you restore. I thank you for purpose and power from this point on. In Jesus' name, amen. You just received the power of God in your life. Everything you'd ever done wrong is now fixed. Every sin that had ever held you back, you've been released. When you walk out of here, you're a different person. So let me tell you this. How do you keep connecting to God? You go tell everybody you know about Him. It's that simple. You say, well, Craig, you know, when I wasn't living right, I, probably the, I don't know about, but you know, when I wasn't living right, I would be in the worst places and I would still be convicted. And I, you ever been sitting at a bar and somebody tell you about Jesus? <laughs> That's crazy, ain't it? But I was in a club one night and the guy that was there, was, you know, he started talking to me about Jesus. I got so convicted I had to leave because I knew I shouldn't have been there and shouldn't have been doing it. Man, I can tell you this, you can put, talk to you about Jesus anywhere you are and it changes everything. I just want to put a challenge for you. Men, women, you're on a different level. So you're saying, Craig, you're being shallow. I'm telling men, walk out and use this tool. Talk about Jesus everywhere you go. You watch the power of God begin to move.